Bridge the City. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Benjamin Rangel. I'm here with another host. Casey's here as well. Hello, Casey. Hi, everyone. And this is a brand new thing for Bridge the City because we are actually doing a remote recording of our podcast because uh, many of us are quarantined, uh, practicing social distancing, but that doesn't mean we can't remain active and engaged in our community. So we actually have uh, hopefully three guests with us, um, uh, two of them right now, Angela Lang and Megan O'Halloran. Did I say your last name right, Megan? Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, Angela, do you want to start by just introducing yourself, sort of what organization you're with, and then Megan, you can follow that. And then we'll just get right into this conversation about how to stay engaged despite uh, COVID-19. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Definitely appreciate the conversation, despite, you know, the unique uh, world we're living in right now. Uh, My name is Angela Lang, and I'm the executive director of Block Black Leaders Organizing for Communities. Okay, and I'm Megan O'Halloran, and I have the honor of representing District 8 on the Milwaukee School Board of Directors. Thank you both. Um, So first question, where, like physically, is everyone right now? Knowing that we're not with each other in person, um, I personally am in my, uh, my, my den of my house. I haven't really gone anywhere besides my house for the last four or five days. Um, So where are you like literally? And then what has this last week been like for you all? Uh, For me, I am sitting on my couch. Um, It's real bad, but I have 24 hour news on um, trying to stay up to date on all the latest things because I think there's a lot of misinformation that's going on. And for me, this week just really led to a lot of Zoom calls and conference calls and um, going a little stir crazy. I'm definitely going to go out for a walk after this to get some fresh air. And I am in my bedroom at our house. Um, so to try to uh, keep away from my children, <laughs> they're currently <laughs> watching a, a movie. I think they're watching Thor uh, Ragnarok. Um, and we haven't really been going out at all, but we do go out in the morning and in the afternoon uh, for a walk or go to a park just to get out on the trails because otherwise um, I think we would be going crazy. I think we would be climbing the walls. And it's been challenging this last week with trying to stay connected with everybody, but then also, and make sure like I'm uh, checking in on the meal sites that Milwaukee Public Schools have set up to make sure that they have adequate resources. But then also, um, as a parent, I know there's a lot of concerns about missing instructional time. So trying to make sure that they still have some sort of academic engagement, but recognizing that in these extenuating circumstances that trying to hold to too rigid of a schedule would probably be really difficult um, and emotionally very frustrating. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And Casey, just, you know, for the listener's sake. (laughs) For the listeners. uh, Um, Well, I'm sitting at my kitchen table, which is conveniently located right next to my fridge, which basically means that it's always lunchtime, which is dangerous. 
Um, but yeah, I've been getting out doing happy hour walk at five with my friend who also lives in my building, staying six feet apart um, and just, you know, working through it day by day. And before we get started with our next question, um, I've just been told that Angela Harris has joined the call. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm good. How's everybody doing? I'm good. How's everyone? Good. Good. <laughs> good. Um, Angela, we have on the call um, Ms. Angela Lang, the Executive Director of Block Black Leaders Organizing for Community, and Megan O'Haran, um, or O'Halloran, Megan okay. O'Halloran, um, who is on the board, school board for District 8. Would you mind introducing yourself as well? So my name is Angela Harris. I am a first grade teacher at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Elementary School, the African-American Immersion School, and I'm chair of the Black Educators Caucus. And now I guess I started something else, this Milwaukee Community Cares Mutual Aid uh, thing. <laughs> yes. And then Angela, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, my name is Ben. We've never formally met, but thank you so much for being on Bridge the City. Our first question was something real informal, just kind of checking in where like physically, where are people physically? Like, where are you right now during this interview? Or have you been working from home or what's your status? So because I'm a teacher, I have been home all week. Um, yes, working from home, trying to do my best to ensure that my scholars have what they need during this time. So I've also been doing some home runs where I've been dropping off work and books to their houses. So they have things to do during this time. Um, while they're off, I made it very clear to them that this is not a break. So they need mm -hmm. to be doing something. Um, and then I, my daughters are here, obviously, with me as well. So I'm homeschooling, working from home, and organizing from home all at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So uh, not really a break for 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 anyone, it sounds like. Uh, Casey, do you want to take over the next question? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we wanted to start off by talking about ways that we're remaining focused on community engagement while we still practice social distancing. So obviously, a lot of our jobs overlap the, the engagement organizing piece with community engagement. But in this particular setting with COVID-19, how, how do you recommend being focused on community engagement and practicing social distancing? Community and like civic engagement, those are sort yes. of combined with this question. Um, Angela Harris, you want to start us off? Sure. I think like one of the, the things that I've learned over this past week um, is how um, beneficial Zoom phone calls and online conference calling can be a lot of the work that we're doing. Organizing has all been over the phone since we can obviously hold meetings um, face to face and then just thinking about like the distribution sites and like the food pantries and things like that, ensuring that, you know, folks are, there's only three folks at a time in one place and, um, you know, just doing different things like that and just staying connected via social media and via, you know, those online chats. Yeah. Uh, Megan, how have you been uh, staying focused on civic engagement and community engagement with everything happening? Um, so I, I think sometimes I get focused on the community aspect and I forget and I'm trying to be more deliberate about also checking in with family members. Um, so like I FaceTimed my dad this morning, even though he lives a mile and a half away, but he's in his 80s um, and just trying to keep that going as well. But on the community side, I've been um, checking in at the distribution sites for 
uh, Milwaukee Public Schools. We set up 20 sites and we're giving out lunches every day to students or children who come. You don't, I don't think they really are checking if you're an MPS student. If you need food, just if you're a child and you need food, come get food. We're also distributing um, educational packets. And um, I've been trying to connect with other people in the public education sector just to see how other districts are handling it and um, trying to get answers because ultimately some of the questions that are being asked aren't questions that we can answer. So people are asking about standardized tests, for instance, and it just came down today from the national level that we won't be having standardized tests for the rest of the year. Um, so trying to gather up as many questions as I um, am getting and then dole them out to the various uh, sources that I have to try to get those those answers to people because there's a lot of uncertainty, both as like how physically people are doing, um, making sure we're getting people fed, but then, you know, academically, what does that mean? And when there's already a quote unquote achievement gap, like this is going to really lay bare a lot of the inequities in our system. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Angela, Megan, both of you sound like you're, you're really uh, still supporting students at every level, whether it's literally getting food. Um, I think a lot of people underestimated the importance um of those regular lunches and breakfast in most cases, sometimes even dinner for students that they get through their school. Um, and certainly that achievement gap that you, you highlighted uh, can only be exacerbated if they don't have regular access to things like books and such. Uh, Angela Lang, how are you staying focused on civic engagement and community gauge, engagement uh, during COVID-19? Yeah, for me, being an organizer, I always really value face-to-face -face, uh, conversations and really get a chance to, you know, see that storytelling, being able to connect with folks. So it's been a little bit of a challenge, um, but we've been able to just just switch our tactics a little bit. And so um, Block is really known for our aggressive field program. So it was a little bit of a shock to our system when we had to shut down our office on Wednesday. Um, but we have 50 ambassadors that are phone banking, um, calling, texting, um, and then um, a couple times a week where allowable, we might have to start to shut this down as things progress. Um, but we were doing lit drops. And so we had literature um, and we weren't knocking on the doors. Our um, ambassadors are wearing gloves and, and protective gear, but they're still dropping um, that hard physical literature um, with all the information on people's doors as well. So people can still get that hard copy of, um, of information. We've also wrapped up some of our digital messaging too. And so, you know, our as our ambassadors are starting to early vote, they're taking selfies with their early vote, um, you know, stickers, and then we're turning those into digital graphics, encouraging other people to do that as well. So we've had to shift um, a little bit, but we've also been able to, to check in with ourselves and be a little silly, you know, on Zoom meetings. Um, there's a lot of different memes going around about how people are dressed. Um, you know, are people wearing makeup? Are people getting dressed for, um, for Zoom meetings? And, you know, trying to take things in stride as much as we can in these really you know, kind of scary and in really uncertain times where I think folks are, you know, have a lot of questions, there's a lot of anxiety, um, you know, people are looking to, to make ends meet too. So I think it's really important for us to still be able to meaningful, meaningfully connect with people, even though we're not able to have that physical 
um, connection. I think it's really important. Um, a good friend of mine and someone in a, in a fellowship with me, she mentioned that we should actually shift our phrasing and instead of calling it um, social distancing, just calling it physical distancing because we actually need each other um, to continue to be supportive and, and support each other socially. It's just we need to be physically distant. And it, it just got me thinking of how are we still connecting with our friends and our families. Um, definitely been on the phone a lot more with friends and families and maybe not just texting them, um, doing video calls and, and video chats. I had um, a several hour long um, you know, happy hour where me and, and my girlfriends all got on a Zoom call and um, we just talked and all drank wine and, you know, it was like a virtual happy hour. So, you know, looking for those bright spots in, in ways to still meaningfully connect with people um, and really kind of just hold each other and, and support each other while still being able to um, talk about our fears, talk about what our anxieties are, and also still talk about um, the fact that there is an election, um, at least right now, still scheduled for April 7th. Yeah. So speaking of those anxieties and, and ways we all need support, Casey, I think you had a question around like things Milwaukeeans should be aware of. Yeah, we all know that we live in a city that deals with its own set of difficulties. And those are things that as we go through our daily lives that some people are privileged to ignore and some people have to deal with them on a day-to-day basis. I think like what right now when we do have all this free time, when we have the opportunity to be on calls um, and connect socially rather than physically, it's a really good time to enter in civic engagement in Milwaukee. So I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about the important issues that Milwaukeeans should be aware of and should be reacting to right now. Um, Megan, do you want to start us off with that question? That is a great question. Um, So I think one of the things that are like, I'm thinking about beyond just our schools is when we're creating the list of, you know, the demands or the asks, um, I think we need to be obviously advocating for more resources for our students. But I think we also, so like Milwaukee Public Schools, it just passed a resolution on the board to connect with the county and with the city to be more interactive and collaborate around issues that impact all of our uh, our whole community, not just, you know, our students. And um, so we talked about it on Tuesday night, um, number of issues, you know, one of our directors is also um, on the county board, and she's been uh, telling us about the process to stop evictions, for instance. And um, I think another thing that we uh, really need to lean on um other electeds is about how do we talk about compassionate release of people who are incarcerated, who are nearing the end of um, their term of incarceration, because right now I'm concerned also about uh, people in facilities and if they're going to be getting the medical care that they need. Um, so I, I think that when we're having conversations, it we should not just speak about the things that are directly impacting us, but try to think in a more global perspective and come out of this, not just trying to restore things the way they were, but like, how can we move forward to create the the community that we want to see? Um, so I'm sorry if that was kind of rambling. <laughs> no, I love it. I love that the piece of restoration and how we're, you know, as just as you said, we're not going to build it the way it was, but we're going to build something better. Um, Angela Ling, do you want to continue with that 
Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I think, um, you know, just talking to my friends, this is really exposing a lot of um, vulnerabilities, quite frankly, not to be like the radical one. Um, although I don't think anything what I'm going to say is radical, but like um, it, it exposes the vulnerabilities and the, and the downfalls and the pitfalls of capitalism and how it leaves people behind. Um, and so, you know, I think it just like Megan was saying, I think it's really important that we're finding ways to support our most vulnerable, um, our um, homeless populations, the the food insecure populations, um, elderly. And I think what, what's been a little bit encouraging is being able to see people kind of step up um, as, you know, Angela Harris has been able to say, how are we wrapping our, our arms around our community? How are we helping each other? How are we supporting each other um, through all of this? And, um, you know, some of us have privilege to be able to work from home and not have our uh, finances disrupted, but, you know, making sure that other employers, if they are forced to shut down, are they compensating their um, their employees? Are they able to provide people paid sick days? These are a lot of different campaigns. You know, paid sick days was a campaign that, um, you know, Milwaukee was launching with um, the organization 9to5 several years ago. And it makes me think about all the things that a lot of these groups um, have been fighting for for the last several years. Maybe if we would have had all these systems in place, um, this wouldn't be such a shock to our system. So I think it's really exposing a lot of what we need as a society to really take care of ourselves. Um, And, you know, a joke that I saw on on Facebook is someone said, um, you know, the biggest advocate for socialism right now is actually COVID-19. And, you know, it was said in a joke, but at the same time, um, you know, I do believe if we had a lot of these systems in place and these these safety nets to be able to protect our most vulnerable, um, we wouldn't be in such a, a... an uncertain time right now, we would feel a little bit more comfortable, maybe have a little less anxiety through all of this. But, you know, as folks are starting to learn and see kind of um, all of these different cracks in our systems being exposed, just really making sure how we're showing up um, and using our privilege to help others that are most vulnerable. Yeah, Angela, you're making me like think of this idea that the U.S. in a lot of ways has like an empathy, an empathy problem, and that this COVID-19 outbreak has made a lot of people who traditionally don't have to think about their own privilege or maybe think about the lack of a social safety net. Uh, now they're forced to empathize a little bit and it'll be interesting to see how it impacts uh, folks' ideology and, and things going forward. Uh, but I do want to hear from Angela Harris too. The yeah mutual aid network that you like started from scratch over like four days or something. That's While incredible. working two other jobs. Yeah, somebody said to me today, my um, head's going to get really heavy with all of these hats I've decided to wear, which is <laughs> which is certainly very true. And I just want to speak to the point that the Angela and Megan just made. Like, we don't really realize how interconnected all these systems truly are until they start to affect our lives. So, like, to your point, Ben, I think that America has an empathy problem, but they also have an apathy problem, right? Like, we get mm, very yep. apathetic when things don't affect us and... The COVID-19 really display, like Angela Lang said, the cracks in the system and who these cracks directly affect. And it is our most marginalized, you know, it's our most disenfranchised, it's our, our most vulnerable population. And I think when this started to happen and the reality here on Friday is so... I don't know what it was, but something just told me on Friday to have a conversation with my scholars because I felt like I wasn't going to see them. And it makes Mm. me sad, like, to talk about it. But I felt like I wasn't going to see them. So I wanted to have a conversation with them about 
you know, like how to prepare themselves if we didn't see each other for some time. And so they started asking me questions like, Miss Harris, what if I don't have any food? Miss Harris, what if my mom is mean to me? You know, like just stuff that really made me think about not just them, but the community as a whole. And what were all of the students across Milwaukee going to do? What were, you know, our senior folks going to do? Our our folks that can't leave their homes, you know, because they have um, vulnerable immune systems. What were they going to do? How were they going to get access to resources if they needed it? And that was what really inspired me. I had a friend in a different state whose school was starting to close and she posted on her Facebook page, like, I'm interested in volunteering, you know, what, what if any of my friends are willing to help out with that? And I saw the response she got and I was like, well, I know a lot of people on Facebook. I know a lot of elected officials. I know a lot of, you know, grassroots organizers. Let me see what I can make happen. And some folks reached out to me and um, there was a group in Tacoma that was kind of doing the same thing. And they had this Google form. They shared it with me and I just kind of edited it to make it fit, you know, what I thought the needs were in Milwaukee. And before I knew it, it had 493 responses of people who were offering to help or volunteer in some way. And that just gave me so much hope for our city because I was like, look at this response, you know, in two days, we had over 300 comments of folks willing to volunteer their time, volunteer their services, you know, donate money, all of these things. And I just felt like it was a true testament of what Milwaukee is really made from. And, you know, I like to say, I like to joke with my kids all the time and quote, popular rappers but you know there's this song right now by Roddy Rich called The Box and he talks about how he get how he gets it out the mud and in Milwaukee that's how we do things like we yeah. we get it for ourselves and I knew like there wasn't going to be you know somebody that was going to come and save us that we were going to have to do it ourselves and so that's where all that came from and um I appreciate all of the support that everybody has given our community because we need each other right now Yes and so on that note what so if somebody's listening to this and they hadn't seen that form or heard about uh the work that you're doing angela uh what can somebody do right now or in the next few days to to keep supporting you so we have organized two um donation sites uh one on the north side of milwaukee bethany bethel bethany church is on uh 54th and locust and a south side location um St. Patrick's Church on South 5th Street, I believe. Um, all of this is posted on the Milwaukee Cares uh, Facebook page. Um, and then you can also email us at milwaukeewicare at gmail.com. So um, that's milwaukeewicare at gmail.com. But at those donation sites, there are specific hours of operation where you can drop off non-food item donations for right now um because that's what the food pantries are requesting things like toilet paper uh diaper wipes um diapers formula um different types of like over-counter the med over over-the-counter medication like aspirin cough medicine gatorades just different stuff like that in the event that folks were to get sick um 
of course, disinfecting wipes, all of those kinds of things. And what we're doing is we're then taking those donations and supplying food pantries throughout the city as they as they need them. So we have folks that have volunteered to drop off, do deliveries if folks are in need. Um, so they can definitely access the uh, Google document um, on the Facebook page as well. So if there is a need, we just created a new form that's going to go up today for folks that need support. And then the volunteer form is going to reopen today as well. Wonderful. And we'll have all that posted in the episode show notes for for this episode of Bridge of City, and then also on our social media as well. Um, my next question is kind of might be more particular to uh, Angela Harris and Megan, but Angela Lang, you can jump in here as well. But I'm, I'm curious about um, MPS and Milwaukee parents reacting to COVID-19. And I would love for our listeners to know about some other resources that we should urge parents to utilize while they're at home, whether those are resources to keep their, their own students, their own scholars engaged, or, or um, resources that they should be seeking out to support the, their, uh, their students, their kids. Um, so there's two things that I would say uh, MPS parents should be checking out. One is um, MPS has been working pretty much around the clock to produce these packets of kind of worksheets, and they're by grade level, and we have them in Spanish and English. I will say that we have had issues where we get them to the meal sites, and then some of them go you know, right away. So, um, you know, if you've tried, if you've checked in and you've tried to find them, um, I apologize. Please ask to leave your name. And then like at Ronald Reagan, they were setting them aside. So if a parent came in and said, I need grade one in English and it's not here, they would set it aside for you for the next day. Um, We also, you can check on the MPS uh, website they have the online toolkit, and then kids can log in. Uh, my students knew exactly what they were doing, my two kids, uh, when I told them to log on to Clever. Um, so they were able to log in, and they have different online um, games like Prodigy and um, Vocabulary. And um, some of our teachers have been putting in assignments in the Google Classrooms. Uh, But I will say that once again, this is an issue where children like my two children have access to two Chromebooks in the house and um, they will have the ability to log in to use these resources. And I recognize that's something that all of our students have. So I put in a request to the administration to see if we can go into our schools where we have Chromebooks that aren't being currently used to see if we could release those to students. Um, Even just like check it out, like just loan them through this um, shutdown. I know there's challenges with some of them are charged on charging stations. So we might need to figure out cords. And then also some parents might not have access to um, internet. And so how can we work with Spectrum or some other online source or some source to get them set up with Wi-Fi. Um, there's also source uh, resources through the Milwaukee Public Library that uh, kids can listen to audiobooks and um, access 
resources that way. And I think Angela probably, um, as a teacher in the classroom, would have many more ideas on how to get our keep our students learning. So uh, thank you for that, Megan. I appreciate it. And just one brief suggestion. If we could somehow get those packets mailed out, that would be awesome. Like that would, I was really thinking about that today when I went into Obama to grab some packets for my scholars. And, you know, just knowing that we have a, a student population in Milwaukee Public Schools that can be very transient. Um, we have a high homeless student population. So just, you know, ensuring that we try as many ways as possible to contact or connect with these students would be awesome. Just think like, you know, to your question being, I work at a school that has a high, you know, homeless population. Um, Some of our families are extremely transient. Even today, you know, going out to drop off packets things like that, um, not knowing if those were the correct addresses. So like just mm. struggling with, you know, some of the inequities that we're really starting to face and we're really starting to see and recognize, you know, when schools have children who are taking Chromebooks home every day and we don't even know if we have a correct address for our student that really, you know, it really caused yeah questions in my mind. Um, I have encouraged my parents, I have reached out to them all via phone because at the very least I know I have working phone numbers for all of them. So I've reached out to them all, all of them via phone and I, you know, encourage them if they don't have, you know, access to internet or access to technology, here are some things that you could do. I encourage everybody to read at least 30 minutes every day. Take your children outside for a walk, have them find things in the environment and name them and label them. Um, have them, you know, identify, you know, uh, beginning letter sounds by, you know, things out of the refrigerator. There are things that you can use in your very own home to educate your students so you don't have to have necessarily have access to technology. You know, that would be nice, but there are ways that, you know, you can engage your students in learning, you know, without having a piece of paper or a computer. And so just encouraging parents, you know, to they have and utilize the resources that they have. I printed off a bunch of like uh, leveled readers for my students and put them in Ziploc bags so they would at least, I know that they each have at least five books that they can read during this time while they're out. And like Megan said, using like the online library, there's a lot of um, a lot of um, apps now, uh, learning apps that are free or offering like discounted prices because they know that all of the students are out of school. So if they do have access to technology and for whatever reason they can't get into their Clever, that they also have those those tools that they can use. Um, and yeah, just really utilizing their environment as a tool for learning. I always encourage that even when we're not in these uncertain times. Yeah. Um, So the response to COVID-19 has been mostly dependent on public and elected officials. We know that the work that you all are doing in the community and the great work that's going on is reactive to that, um, but it's really brought brought to mind just how the effect that public officials and and their agendas have on our day-to-day. What are things about this experience that you or others, like our listeners, can use to inform um, others in the community about the importance of civic engagement and activism? And I can repeat that question if it didn't make any Yeah. And I think our thought behind this question is how does this experience made it so much easier or more accessible to talk about the importance of civic engagement and activism? Well said. Is that right, Casey? Yes, exactly. Okay. 
Um, I'll start. Um, I think for me, I, I think a lot of folks when like think of civic engagement or maybe don't even think of it as civic engagement, but when they think of politics, uh, I think a lot of folks have opinions. They may not think that they're political, but that doesn't mean that they, they don't have opinions of what should get done. And so a lot of times we'll have those opinions after decisions are made and after the fact. And I think because we're living in real time right now and seeing how decisions are being made on the federal level and even on the state level, I think it's really critical and really important to see how um, we show up for elected officials, whether you know there are some folks that don't have the ability to vote because they're undocumented or their voting rights haven't been restored because they're still on paper. But there's a lot of different ways to make your voice heard. And if people are disappointed in the decisions that uh, Congress is making right now, it's my understanding that all of the uh, Republicans um, that are in Congress that represent Wisconsin have voted against um, the the stimulus package to help um, you know working families. These are decisions um, that are being made by people that we elect, and I think it goes to show that when we do sit out um, elections, or if we're not civically engaged and we're not putting that that public pressure and also doing that accountability, we see decisions like this that are um, going against what the people need, and so that's why I think you know this is like a really good example of why we need to show up for um, our local elections, for for our congressional elections that, you know, sometimes people don't always pay attention to our gubernatorial election. Our governor has a lot of power um, right now and how he's able to, um, you know, shut down, um, you know, have executive orders and have different orders come out of, you know, shutting down certain places or certain industries. And if people don't like the way that our elected officials are um, handling the situation, then one, I think we need to keep that in mind and maybe vote them out of office in the future. Um, But again, for folks that can't vote, there's also still an opportunity for people to make their voices heard. And so I think we just need to like reframe what civic engagement is. And it's not just voting, you know, once or, you know, in 2020, four times out of the year. um, And then that's it. I would argue that the real work really happens the day after the election. And um, I always, I'm always i of the assumption that I think elected officials and candidates uh, should never be comfortable. I don't care if you just got elected yesterday. The day after, um, we'll maybe let you get a little bit of rest, but um, there's always accountability to get done. And so when, you know, these crises happen, you know, people feel that they need to do and respond um, in the best will of, of their constituents because they feel that pressure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Megan, Angela, do you have something to add there? How has this experience sort of informed your, uh, from the way you speak about civic engagement or community engagement or emphasize the importance of civic engagement? So I like Angela Lang. I'm an accountability person. I don't, I agree. Like it is from day one in the office, I'm going to hold you accountable to those things that you said that you were going to do to those promises that you made. And I think now more than ever, we're starting to see either those things come to fruition or failure, right? Like either the politicians are living up to and taking care of the community the way that they want to, or I mean, the way that they're supposed to, or they're not. And I think again, to like Angela Lang's point, then it's our job to in turn hold them accountable at the ballot box when it's time for their reelection. And that's how we ensure that politicians are actually working for the people and not for, you know, large corporate interests, which we're seeing a lot of these days. And I think that is one of the biggest 
conversations that's happening right now. Like a lot of times people, when they're reaching out to me, they're saying like, oh, it's so sad that you have to do this. It's so sad that the community has to organize things like this. And I'm like, well, you know why that is, right? Like because of capitalism, come on. Like if we, (laughs) if we want to, you know, if we want to change things and, you know, we don't want to have to do things like this, we have to start voting for those folks who have the best interest of the people who are voting for them at heart and not everyone else. And I think that this has been an eye-opener for some folks who decided maybe last election to sit it out and not vote for whatever reason because their guy didn't make it or, you know, they thought Hillary was just as bad and now all of these things are starting to happen and we see that we have this person in office who... um who can't handle these types of decisions. And so that just, you know, reiterates how important it is for us to get out and vote. And like Angela said, not just in presidential elections, but in our local elections as well, um, because they are making those um, effort. I mean, they're making those decisions on the ground that affect us directly. Hmm. Thank you so much. Megan, do you have anything to add here? How has this experience sort of uh, re-emphasized the importance of civic engagement or made it easier to inform others of it? Um, so I grew up in a very politically engaged family. Um, both of my parents were, um, they were officers in their unions. They were, my mom was vice president of her local and my dad was president of his. And so I I grew up voting. I mean, I went with them to vote at every single election. So it's never been a question of if I vote in an election, I vote every election. Um, If the dog catcher is on the ballot, I will be researching who's going to be catching those dogs. Um, But so what I'm trying to use this moment as um, is to reinforce not just you know, that we vote, but how we vote and using, so I know we had talked about possibly discussing the census, for instance, in this, in this conversation. So like my children completed the census with me and we had talked about, um, you know, how we, how it informs the number of electeds that are in your state. So it's important to have an accurate representation of your community because it might determine whether or not you have, um, you know, a certain amount, number of representatives in the House of Representatives. And then also like how the census gets used to redraw districts. And so I'm using it as a chance to discuss with my children beyond just like that we vote every single election um, because that's like it's just jacks are better to me. Like you just vote in every election. Um, but I do to the point, um, to Angela Harris's point, when people say, oh, it's so sad that you have to do this. Like these conversations to me are so funny because I know how some people vote and they'll say, wow, it's just a shame that schools don't have more money. And I'm I've been advocating in Madison to try to get more funding for public education. Um, Like I marched to Madison for this reason. And sometimes I know that your mouth says one thing, but you're voting a very different way. So um, trying to connect those dots that um, when you vote a certain way, it has, um, it has, it causes things in the community. And sometimes you're causing great distress, even though you say your heart's in the right place. So. Well, 
uh, thank you all. It, for me, I, I think that this conversation is so re-energizing. Uh, given the fact that I've been so isolated, it's wonderful to hear the three of you still doing amazing work, but also um, continuing to advocate for civic engagement and political participation. I know before, I think it was before the interview even started, uh, Megan and Angela Lang and I were all um, talking about how we were texting, uh, so not necessarily voting, so the in between the elections, right? We were texting folks to inform them of the upcoming election and the referendum to provide more funding for uh, MPS. And so that's just another example. And literally, it's as easy as hitting the enter button over and over on your computer. Um, and you can contact thousands, literally thousands of people in one hour and get them more engaged and more informed. Um, so thank you all for this conversation. I do kind of want to end us on a high note, though. I want to celebrate sort of uh, back to what Angela Harris was saying earlier about um, the resiliency of the city and the, and the people who came together for her mutual aid network. Um, there's also a ton of good things happening. I saw, for instance, Tandem Restaurant, amazing place, giving out free community meals every day. Casey, you told me about Great Lakes Distillery, which is like transforming their production to make hand sanitizer for folks. Um, I would love to just hear from from everyone here about other really good, positive things happening in the city, despite the challenging things we're experiencing. So I just saw something today. Um, a bunch of folks are getting together to knit face masks for um, our health professionals. So I guess there's some regulations that have been placed online for like hand knitted face masks. And so a bunch of people are making them. And I just thought that that was like super cool. I have no knitting ability whatsoever. But <laughs> thanks to all those folks who can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, some things that I've seen, um, I've been being very mindful and being very careful around self-care. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when our routines kind of get out of whack or we're working from home, um, then it feels like you're always on. Like, you know, I was on conference calls at 7.30. Um, there was a conference call the other night at 9 o'clock. And I think sometimes people think, like, if you're working from home, you're a little bit more available. And so um, seeing people really kind of share their self-care moments, how they're able to, you know, still be a human being in, in this moment of what seems like a crisis. Um, and I know some folks have been doing and supporting, you know, uh, digital yoga and, you know, different meditation sessions um, online so people can still feel connected and still be able to take care of themselves and, um, do that that self-care and that wellness um you know when there's you know a lot of you know stressful and anxiety filled situations going on Thank you, um Megan. i yeah so there are two uh two restaurants that i was just thinking of or one restaurant one bar um bounce milwaukee is doing pay it forward pizza um, so they're, you know, trying to help people that are experiencing food insecurity. I think the Highberry, um, a bar in Bayview is also distributing food. Um, so I would encourage people to check them out. Um, and one fun thing I've seen is people are doing scavenger hunts for kids in the community. So they'll like, they were doing a shamrock one on Tuesday for St. Patrick's Day. So kids could go out and walk around the neighborhood and count how many shamrocks they could find. So it's like, how do you connect with your community in a safe way? Or like two kids were doing um, 
Simon says, but like across a driveway. So <laughs> trying to come up with these, you know, um, ways to stay connected in a safe way so we don't go uh, too loopy right now. So Awesome. Yeah, I'm um, very proud to be, uh, to say I'm a resident of Milwaukee and to to know um, all of you who are on this on this episode um, and to know that we live in a place, a city that despite its challenges have people who are doing amazing work. So I just want to thank you all so much for being on Bridge the City. Um, thank you so much for your work. Uh, and in true Bridger City fashion, uh, we end every single episode with a tangible action step in how to get community members involved in, in the city of Milwaukee. Let's start with Angela Harris. Action step for listeners. Um, I am going to say, first and foremost, reach out to your local food pantries and volunteer to take a shift. Feeding America is in desperate need of folks to come in and sort food items. Um, hunger Task Force is in desperate need of folks to come in and sort food items. All of this stuff is posted on the Milwaukee Community Care and Mutual Aid Facebook page. So you can find all of that on our Facebook page. Um, Please sign our Google form and let us know ways that you can volunteer. We do share out um, the information with food banks, food pantries who are in need of volunteers and other organizations who need volunteers for different things. And after this is all said and done, stay engaged. Don't just get engaged, Mm. stay engaged. That is the most important part. Wonderful. Megan, what's your action step? Um, I would give two, just one really quick one is thank Tammy Baldwin for voting for the, um, for the aid package. And you can choose to publicly shame Ron Johnson for not voting for it (laughs) if you so choose. Um, But you can also, I think that the city is looking for people to get trained to work at the election sites because a lot of the people who work in our polling places are older people and they really shouldn't be out. So if you're young and you're healthy and you're able to, um, I would encourage people to reach out to the election commission to see if you can volunteer so that some of our older people can stay home and stay safe. Wonderful. Yeah, I think um, the only other things that I would add, because y'all took some really good ones, um, is really being able, you know, to donate, you know, to to Angela Harris's links and everything that she's talking about. And if people aren't in a financial um, position to donate, then to at least be able to share and to amplify um, so people can, we can broaden um, the message and, and other people can get involved and get engaged as well. And then um, I'm going to go the, the self-care route and, you know, really encourage people to um, carve out time to still find uh, joy, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's video chatting your friends. Um, I think this is proving, you know, for a lot of folks that, you know, the world can be really scary and, um, you know, capitalism and, and white supremacy and all of that um, can be very heavy in these really, um tense times. And so I encourage folks to, you know, schedule 30 minutes to an hour of doing something that, you know, they, they care about, um, in addition to, um, being able to support other organizations and and the work that Angela Harris is doing too. Wow. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Uh, thank you to our listeners for listening to Bridge the City. 
Uh, we are a platform whose mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. And I think if you listen to this and you're not inspired to do something, um, you might have been listening to the wrong podcast because I certainly am uh, uh, very inspired. Uh, you can check out more episodes on bridgecitypodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on social media. Thank you so much to our three guests here. Um, listeners, stay safe, practice social distancing, uh, help out those who you can. Casey, you got anything else to add here as we close? Um, if you can, buy some gift cards, get some takeouts for our local restaurants. Yes, support local. And, um, you know, hop on a text bank or phone bank if you want to get involved uh, in the upcoming election. We'll see if that's actually going to happen on April 7th. But as of now, it is. So keep that on your mind as well. Uh, can I say one and- more thing? Yeah, of course. Um, reach out to the members of Bridges City if you don't know how to get involved, but you want to. We are here and we can help you direct direct you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks for listening to Bridges City. Uh, yep, that's all I got. Ooh, thanks for having me. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Are we logged? How do we do this? Damn, that's <laughs> Sam, where are you at? <laughs>